0: Good morning everyone. I'm delighted to say that this is the first time I have ever done a talk next to a real fire and, uh, and so I'm just going to warm myself up slightly and make sure that not too many of my illustrations take me into the dangerous side of, uh, of the stage. What an amazing production that we've just enjoyed together. And we love being a church family all together and that all of us uh, can enjoy all of the children who are here and part of the church. I'm a father of four and so quite a bit of my life uh, revolves around children and uh, talking to children, uh, trying to understand children, trying to wake children up, trying to calm children down. Wrestling with children, but in a good way. Quite a lot of time with children. And one of the things that I've noticed as, uh, as the kids are getting older is that they've started to say and do the same kind of things that I say and do. And uh, that runs both ways. That, that makes me more aware of what I am saying and doing. A few weeks ago I was, quite, uh, I was in a bit of a rush to get here on a Sunday morning here at 9.15 for a sound check so I was rushing around the house trying to get everything together that I need for a Sunday morning. There's my bag, there's a pen, there's a bottle of water, there's a can of deodorant, there's some cough sweets. I'm giving you the inside track in what it means for me to, uh, to preach. What else do I need? I've got my coat on, my car keys. I need my car keys. Where are my car keys? Check my pocket. No, go to the bowl where I keep my car keys. No, they're not there. I walk through the kitchen. Has anyone seen my car keys? I'm in a real rush. Go to the back door, have a look. No, my keys are not in the door. I go back into the kitchen. I say, guys, I'm really struggling here. I can't find my keys. Can anyone help me? And uh, my nine-year-old little boy is sat there at the kitchen table. And he's uh, He's eating his breakfast. Concentrating on his cereal and he doesn't even look up no eye contact is made and he just holds this set of keys up that have clearly been left on the corner of the table and he just, uh, he just holds these keys up and he says dad next time try looking with your eyes not with your mouth <laughs> <laughs> And I just thought back all those times this little boy's been running around trying to get to, uh, get to school and he's looking for a water bottle and he's looking for a hat and he's looking for his gloves and all the times I've said that to him and just in that one moment he absolutely returned it with interest and so I will be very, very careful what I say as we get ready and we're a bit stressed moving forwards. Kids, though, they are brilliant. They're so full of life. They're so full of fun. And yet also, they are, they're, they're so innocent, and, uh, and they can't really do things for, for themselves. They need help. They need, they need care. And Jesus coming as a baby and what that actually represents and, and what it means. I'm not sure there'll ever be a day where I can fully get my head around all of what that means and all of what that means represents from the glory of heaven itself to be a child it's an astonishing transaction the glory of heaven to the brokenness of earth to make us away from the brokenness of earth to the glory of heaven through his death and resurrection I'm not sure I'll ever fully be able to say that I understand that it's just the most incredible mystery that's contained in the heart of of what we understand about Christmas. But at the same time, if I was in a situation where I felt that someone or people needed saving, I'm not trying to be harsh to kids here, but like I'm not sure I would send a child. They can't defend themselves up to a certain stage. They can't even tie their own shoelaces. They get get distracted, as we saw amongst several of the children this morning, having such a great time but here in the centre of uh, the account of Christmas we have this little baby, this child, the son of God and as we think about Christmas and as we think about children we also think of presents and, and gifts and uh, just imagine now in your mind's eye uh, what is the best Christmas present that you have ever received? Now, I'm not going to do a show of hands, but I would imagine for the vast majority of us, that would be a gift or a present that you received when you were a child. I imagine that is part of the story. When I was little, um, we lived in West Africa as a family family. And one day we'd gone to the capital city and a container ship had come in. So in the market, there were all these kinds of toys and stuff on the stalls that we hadn't seen before or that we didn't see very often. And me and my brother were very, very smitten by these. Uh, it was like a box of multiple metal matchbox toy cars. Do you know what I'm talking about? So it's like a, a multi-pack of matchbox toy cars. And I just thought this was absolutely incredible. So, uh, so I'm asking for them and stuff. And, uh, and it wasn't to be. We, uh, we weren't allowed them. Fast forward to Christmas Day. We're back up country in a little village in the middle of nowhere. I opened my big Christmas present and there it was, this matchbox model car set. And I said to my parents, how did Santa know that that was what I wanted? That is incredible. And between you and me, I've still not really worked it out. It's... Uh, <laughs> He just, he just did well, uh, you know, one-nil Santa, absolutely uh, incredible. Gifts mean so much to children, and also when someone has a child, we, we take gifts, we celebrate it, and that's where we're headed. That's the bit of the story that we're going to focus in on this morning, when Jesus gets gifts at his birth. Um, So we're going to be in Matthew chapter 2 from verse 1, and the words will come up on the screen, or you can open your Bibles with me. After Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea during the time of King Herod, Magi from the east came to Jerusalem and asked, where is the one who has been born King of the Jews? We saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him. Then Herod called the Magi secretly and found out from them the exact time the star had appeared. He sent them to Bethlehem and said, go and search carefully for the child. As soon as you find him, report to me so that I too may go and worship him. He certainly did not have that as his intention. After they'd heard the king, they went on their way and the star they'd seen. Scene when it rose went ahead of them until it stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they were overjoyed on coming to the house, they saw the child with his mother Mary, and they bowed down and they worshipped him and they opened their treasures and presented him with gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh and Having been warned in a dream not to go back to Herod, they returned to their country by another route there 's so much to say about this familiar passage, but i 'm just going to hone in. This morning, on the bringing of gifts from the Magi. This word Magi, it comes uh, from an original word that means uh, the learned or the educated priestly class. The Persian word that's translated uh, is the word for magician. So there's something about spirituality, education, intellectual, stargazers, astrologists. They weren't from around there. Uh, Most likely they were from what's modern day Iran or perhaps Iraq. There's not definitely three of them. Uh, That's entered into popular culture and tradition because of the three gifts. But there could have been any number of them. And it's quite likely there could have been quite a number traveling together. I did get a little bit nervous this morning when uh, at first we only had two wise men making it on their journey. I was a little bit worried how I was going to explain that away in the talk. So I was massively relieved to see uh, number three to go and, uh, and join in. That's fantastic. In tradition, these wise men, these, these magi, have been promoted to kings. And, and you know, we three kings of Orient are... Oh. And that's because in Isaiah 60 verses 1 to 6 it says that kings will be drawn to the light. And people have made that as an assumption. So... Think back of the wonderful, joyful chaos that we've had in front of us on the stage in the children's production. We've had the, uh, the angels across the sky. We've had the, the locals come, the shepherds come to visit the child. But now we've got some really important visitors coming from out of town. Some foreign dignitaries are in Bethlehem. And they bring with them these gifts. Gold. Gold. Representing wealth and, and power, uh, something of huge value and it still is today. It represents royalty, the kind of metal that you use to make a ring or to make a crown frankincense that's a type of incense a type of perfume and again it was really really expensive I'm not sure quite what the the modern day equivalent would be but it would probably be like a you know like a bespoke perfume from a French fashion house or something like that And then myrrh. myrrh, was mixed with oil and it was used to anoint kings but it could also be used to embalm a body after death. And in fact they think it might have had some pain-killing properties as well because when Jesus was going to the cross in Mark 15 he was offered wine mixed with myrrh. So these gifts are gifts to Jesus, but they're also signs. They have such huge meaning contained within them. First of all, they're things that you'd give to a king. They're things that you'd give to a king who was powerful, a king who had authority, a king who would be anointed. But also, even at this stage, even at his birth, there's hints of of death, and, and suffering in the future. God's plan to bring people back into relationship with him is all coming together and being seen in the form of this child. And it's in verse 11 in that passage that we see them give the child their gifts. But what strikes you is that it says when they found them, they were overjoyed. They were overjoyed, not not just happy or relieved. They were overjoyed. And then they bowed down and they worshipped him. And this is really amazing. Firstly, you don't really tend to worship babies. Now, don't get me wrong. like Babies are cute and everything. And you might give them a little squidge and maybe take a photo and put it on Instagram or whatever. But worshipping a baby... That must be a really incredible child to have that effect of, of of causing like reverence and and bowing down. There's something uniquely special about that. And secondly, these guys, they're not from around there. They're not Jewish. They haven't got like all the backstory of uh, the, the promised child to come uh, waiting for the saviour, the Messiah. But, but what they do have is an interest in the spiritual realm. They're, they're following the star. They're, 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 they're feeling something. They're, they're attracted to something, but, but they don't have it all laid out all of the details. But at the point of encountering Jesus, that's the point where they turn from seekers to worshippers. The point of actually encountering Jesus. And there are many people in this room who could tell that story, that we were seeking, we we were searching for something. We knew there was something in the spiritual, but we weren't quite sure. And it was when we encountered Jesus, that's when we went from being seekers to being worshippers to being followers. But they don't just give him a few presents and then toddle off back to where they came from. No, no they bow down before him. That's quite an amazing like, uh, thing to do, isn't it? Like a public expression of what you're thinking. I don't think I've ever bowed down in front of anybody, I don't think. Have I? I'm not sure. Have you? Uh, that's not the kind of thing that we do, is it? The kind of like actually bowing down before them the humility of it not just I'm wealthy and I've got a lot of gold so Jesus have a bit of my gold and I'm wealthy and we've got loads of frankincense so you can have some of that and we've got this supply of myrrh so we've decided you can have a little bit no it was all of them it was their whole body laid down in front of him bowing down a sign of humility so I guess the question this all leaves us with is what is our response this Christmas time as we are presented with news of this child? How are we going to respond? Is the sort of the Jesus part of Christmas going to be like a very sort of a small add on to what to really can be a very busy time with, with family and work and travel? Or, like the Magi, as we, as we approach Jesus at this time, is our first response going to be overjoyed at Jesus so that worship is our first response? This year, uh, in our country, probably uh, more so than, than many years before, you know, it's tough financially for lots of people, there's a lot of pressures and, and people are wondering, you know, what, what might I need to do to sort of cut back on Christmas and yet still have a good Christmas? And I think many of us are in the same boat of asking that question. But the visit of the Magi is not about the treasures. It's not about the presents. Those were signs out of what they had, but it's just not about those. It's about the worship. It's about the joy of encounter with Jesus the greatest gift that we have to receive ourselves but also to share with one another and encourage one another with doesn't create a financial pressure because it's what we can discover it's what we know it's what we experience of Jesus And if you're someone here this morning uh, and you're not necessarily um, a person of faith, but you're interested in things um, spiritually, then uh, I want to say congratulations. There are so many people like you in the Bible, so many stories in the Bible of people in that exact position. The Magi, they didn't know all of the background. They didn't know chapter and verse of what the Jews believed. They didn't have all of the answers, but they went on this journey of discovery. For them, it was a physical journey to actually go and to find out what was happening, to actually follow the star. But for us, it's more of a journey of discovery, of understanding, of finding out who this child is. And what it means. And in the new year, we're running our Alpha course on uh, on Monday nights. And uh, you'd be so welcome to join in that. Because literally what that is, is a week-on-week journey of finding out more and more, of of being alongside other people who are on this journey of discovery. I know there's something there, but I need to go and I need to find it. You would be so welcome to join us on that. And those of you listening at home, the, uh, the invitation is very much to you as well. And so finally, we come back to this scene, a small baby, a family far from home, vulnerable, uncomfortable, And yet the destiny of the human race is contained in a few pounds of human flesh in an animal feeding tray. This is absolutely incredible. There was an astronaut called Jim Irwin who was on the Apollo 15 moon mission. And he had a profound experience of God during his trip to the moon. And on his return he said this, more important than man walking on the moon was God walking upon the earth. The pinnacle of what science could do at the time in his mind was nothing compared to the glory, the mystery, the majesty, the humility and the world-changing destiny of what Jesus had done and what was released through this child resting in the hay in Bethlehem. So whatever this Christmas looks like for you, whether it's loud loud, or it's quiet whether you are traveling or if you're at home whether you're busy or it could feel lonely there's one thing that we all share God with us Emmanuel the light shining in the darkness Jesus the king is born he's come this child of promise and so, as we go ahead in the week ahead and unto Christmas Day itself, let's keep those things. You know, where it said Mary heard from the angel and she treasured these things up in her heart, amongst the stress and everything that goes on. Let's treasure these things up in our hearts today and let's carry them into the week ahead in the way we are in ourselves. The way we are with the people around us and the way we are with those who we meet, keeping Jesus at the centre of all that we say and do. With all those things in mind, I'd love to pray and then I'm going to hand back to Martin. Father, we want to thank you for all that we've heard, seen, read discovered been reminded of understood afresh this morning that you sent your one and only son Jesus from the glory of heaven to be here in humility in vulnerability in order that in time through his death and resurrection we could be lifted we could turn to you and we could be lifted from our vulnerability from our brokenness To be in relationship with you both now and with great hope for the future with you. Lord, this blows our mind. But we want to say thank you. We want to say thank you for all it represents. And I pray that by your Holy Spirit over the next seven days, we wouldn't be caught up in the, you know, just the busyness and the stress of things. But actually, this would be a really profound Christmas time of drawing closer to you. God is with us. The child has come. And I pray that that would be our experience this week and in the weeks and months ahead. And you'd give us real confidence and real boldness in this good news, that the Lord himself has come to rescue and to save us. Amen.